Hey everyone, this is Eric, and welcome to the CBC Podcast Behind the Pulpit. Today's podcast is part two of our Old Testament recap. We started a brand new series this Sunday called Kings, which is a continuation of our five-year journey through the Old Testament. In order to fill you in and to catch you up and bring you up to speed, uh, we recorded two podcasts to cover what we've talked about so far. If you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to go ahead and listen to the Exodus recap. And today, Brandon and I will be discussing Joshua. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm here with Brandon once again. Brandon, welcome. <laughs> it's good to do it. it third third podcast yeah. in the last three hours. Definitely want to applause you for those of you who are listening. If you've listened to the two and you're hanging in there with us. Um, yeah, I hope you're enjoying it. I, I've been enjoying this a whole lot. I hope you are too. If you didn't get to finish the last podcast, I just want to remind you at any time you guys can submit questions to us regarding anything, the Sunday sermons, any of these podcasts, and we'd be happy to answer the questions uh, via the podcast. You can also always talk to us in person, send us an email. We can go that route too. But we really want this to be a conversation. And at the end of the day, we our goal is for this to be helpful. We just hope that this is helpful to you and really bringing you up to speed to where we are, but more importantly, helping you to really wanting to maximize uh, your ability to experience this part of the journey. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. So uh, we summarize Sunday's sermon on the first podcast of this week. Uh, we summarize Exodus, this is the last podcast. And this time we're going to uh, walk through Joshua. And this was the last Old Testament series that, that we had about a year ago, year and a half ago. Um, and that's the goal for today. So Brandon, uh, kind of just summarize Joshua for us. Yeah. I mean, Joshua plot wise is, is pretty simple. Um, so if you listen to the Exodus one, by the end of numbers, Israel is just basically, they've come out of Egypt, they've been given the law and then they disobey, they, they doubt God. And so God has them wait 40 years, uh, in the desert before they come into the promised land. And so basically Joshua picks it up at the end of those 40 years. And it's the story of Israel coming into and inheriting the promised land. And so it, it kind of is just the story of, it's a lot of battles. It's a lot of war. Um, but basically it starts off there across the Jordan river. So they're just outside the promised land and they go in, they cross the Jordan, they do a bunch of battles, um, some main ones like Jericho, AI, there's um, a bunch of other battles after that. And then there's a whole big chunk of text devoted to the different allotments of the land. So each tribe, there's 12 tribes of Israel, each tribe is going to inherit a certain portion of the promised land. And there's a whole bunch of text devoted <laughs> to that. And then, um, yeah, there's basically Joshua kind of giving his big farewell speech at the end. But, yeah, it's it's just a, a, a story about them taking the promised land mm -hmm. in a nutshell. Yeah, great. What are some of the main events? I mean, you just touched on some, but what are the main events there and kind of the implications theme-wise of yeah. each one? So... I would break it down into kind of three different categories. The first one would be just kind of all of the pre-battle, pre-going into the promised land phase where 
it's just kind of an encouragement to Israel um, that this reminder of the importance of trusting him, mm. of being obedient. You know, we ended um, the previous books with this Deuteronomy, right? This commitment, this covenant to, to follow God and this reminder that if you obey me, you'll be blessed. If you yeah. don't, then you'll, you'll receive the curse. And so, you know, they're kind of, kind of strengthening their resolve in that. And before they, when they cross the Jordan, they erect this altar to just once again, kind of remind them of who God is and where he's brought them. And then uh, once you get into the battle section, uh, there's really kind of two primary themes. And these are two of the biggest themes of of the book. One is just the power of God. Mm. Like God keeps his promises and he when he's got your back, you're going to succeed, mm. right? And so, you know, you look at a story like Jericho, right? Which is, you know, this famous story. Yeah. They, they blow the trumpets, the walls come down. And the idea, again, is very simple. is God's winning the victory as much as Israel's involved. And, you know, you have to think about things from their perspective. They're this army and they go in and each guy is like, well, I killed this many Canaanites. And I, <laughs> I you know, I, I took this really great shot with my arrow and, you know, and I chopped this one guy's head off. And they're thinking like, I'm pretty awesome. Yeah. And so the idea that you would stop thinking about what you did and recognize, oh, but we got in there because God knocked the walls down, <laughs> you know, and it's 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 really meant to show us. I really blew that trumpet really loud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sound waves. And, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just to really hit you over the head with, it's not Israel who takes the promised land. It's not military victory. It's the hand of God. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's one big theme is God's power, God's faithfulness to Israel and his promises. And then the flip side of that is just the importance of obedience in, in receiving that, in that yeah. Israel's part is not in being the mightiest warriors, not in being the greatest armies, but it's in being faithful to God. Yeah. And that's where you get into, I think, I think it's one of the most interesting and significant stories in Joshua and just in this whole Old Testament narrative is the story of Achan mm-hmm. and how he, God says, you know, you need to, all the things in the city, all the people, all the animals, destroy it. And, and it's this idea of the, the, the ban, the harem. This is devoted to God. Mm. And Achan takes some of the devoted things, and then Israel immediately loses the next battle. And until, is, until Achan is killed, Israel can't succeed. And so it's just this, this theme that walks, you know, starts obviously in Exodus, but really in your face here in Joshua. Oh, yeah. That obedience really matters and that in order to receive God's promise, you have to walk in faithfulness. And so, you know, the idea, I think, I don't remember, I think I gave that message, maybe it was you or Nick, but just the idea that you could be in the promised land, but not be receiving God's promise because you're unfaithful, that it's not tied to Mm. this physical location. It's not tied to the milk and honey, but the promise is God's presence yeah. and the thing that can disrupt that is, you know, is, is sin yeah, yeah. and is disobedience. And so just in those middle sections, um, they're a little bit harder for us to read now. And we'll talk about this when we talk about the challenging parts. It's just a lot of killing. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and so it's not, it's hard to read that with this triumphant sense because, you know, people are dying. Yeah. But at the same, at the same time, when you think about it, just through the lens of this is this people who 40 years ago were just a ragtag bunch of slaves, mm-hmm. you know, like, and they're walking in and they're destroying these huge cities, mm-hmm. these huge armies. Like it's easy to kind of sell the Canaanites short, but you know, these are the people who had ruled in this land. They had come to that place through their own power. And now Israel comes. And again, because of God, he just, he just wipes them out. Yeah. And then the third section and the third major theme, again, is just kind of building on the previous ones is that as God allots the land, he's just, it's just a, definitive marker of his promise being kept mm-hmm. like they are literally inheriting this place that god said he would give them yeah. and even just in how the the camps are arranged you know with god in the in the middle of everything that's like this is what i promised you that you would come into this land i would dwell amongst you i would be in your midst and you would experience blessing mm-hmm. and so it really isn't an awesome book as much as there are some tough sections to read because yeah. it's just like, you know, if you're just having a tough time and, and you're wondering like, man, is, is God going to come through? Joshua is one of those books where, I mean, the theme of it, right? Mm-hmm. In chapter one, be strong and courageous, yeah. right? And, and the source of that courage is, man, look at what your God can do. And despite all the bloodshed and some of that part of things, God's power and faithfulness is on display here yeah. in kind of a just very clear, simple way mm-hmm. that we don't always see. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for painting that picture. Because I think sometimes it's easy, too, to forget the, this is a, a new generation of Israelites, right? They're not some super strong army. Yeah. You know, sometimes we can get the Old Testament kind of order mixed up and you're thinking like, oh, yeah, they've always been strong. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, no, they're they came out as slaves, wandered for a whole long time. This is the generation saw their parents pass away. They're stepping into this for the first time. Yeah. And they're getting to see God's power. Yeah. Probably for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Like this generation, right? Yeah. So, they've just been in the desert for a yeah, long time. Yeah. All they've seen is, well, God gives us manna. Yeah. He us, but yeah. To see that. So, um, you know, talk a little bit about the challenges. I mean, you kind of started there, but, um, Kind of how does that fit into all this? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, just to begin with the idea of Israel comes into this land and wipes out everyone. Mm-hmm. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone, right? The ban and the harem was not just soldiers. It was women. It was children. It was slaves. It was animals. And even the gold and silver in a lot of these towns, some of these towns was just was just burned. Mm. and you know like that's as a modern reader the idea of killing women and children that makes god cruel right like it's hard to read that without thinking well that's messed up like i can't you know reconcile that with a loving just god and so that was you know that's a challenge as you read through this book and um again as a modern reader you you might never feel good about that. You you might never get to the point where it's like, yeah, God, yeah, you know, yeah. do it. But there's a, I mean, a couple factors that to keep in mind is one is that it's, it's written and it happens in a different culture. And so 
there's this idea, right, of, of progressive revelation that God reveals himself to people according to where they're at, mm-hmm. right? And so God is going to meet people according to the customs and, and the ways of their time. And so for them, that was, you know, that was part of warfare, you know? Yeah. And so for them, you know, it might not seem so cruel and so over the top. So that's that's one factor. Um, personally, it's just not, that's not that convincing to me. It's like, <laughs> still messed up, you know? Yeah. But for some people, that's, it's, it's at least helpful to think about. The other factor is just, again, uh, hopefully you've been listening to all these podcasts if you haven't. Um, sorry. <laughs> but, you know, there's this this whole idea of, like, God isn't just bringing Israel into the promised land to bless them, period. Right? So he's not jacking these people who are here because it's like, well, it's I like these people better than you. Mm-hmm. It's like there's this larger purpose of establishing his reign, his kingdom here in Israel, developing a relationship with Israel, helping them to become holy and like him so that long-term the nations as a whole can be blessed. Yeah. So there's this, you know, short-term, long-term idea that, well, you have these nations who are here who are sinful, who are wicked, who are pagans. Uh, You know, you have kings who have you know, done horrible atrocities, murder, rape, you know, everything you can imagine. Canaan is meant to be a picture of sin at its worst. Mm-hmm. And so what the text is trying to show us is that if those people are left alive, Israel has no hope of achieving. They're just going to become just like the pagans. Yeah. And we see a little bit of that in some of the areas where those pagan Canaanites were left alone, is that they they share their pagan ways with Israel and, and they compromise their faith. And yeah. so the importance of establishing a holy nation so that they can then go out and ultimately save the world. That's, that's God's mission. And so that to me is a little bit more compelling is that look like there's a larger picture. And in order for this to work, just this sinful group of people can't, can't be here. Um, and then, yeah, the final piece of that puzzle is once again is that these people are representative of the most wicked people in the world. Yeah. And it's a theme that we don't love, that we're not comfortable with, but judgment is a part of God's character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you get to, you know, the end times and, you know, revelation, like the wicked have to make an account for their wickedness. Mm-hmm. And so if it, in God's sovereignty, he knows, look, like this is not the people who are going to, be blessed by me they're not the people who are going to come to know me the judgment here on earth versus judgment 30 years or 40 years from now when you die there's really no difference right Mm -hmm. like these people are who they are and so it's still rough right like i don't think that's an open and shut case for like okay so be happy that this happened but i think there's a compelling argument to be made that god is well within his rights to do what he does Mm -hmm. And when you think about that larger purpose, it makes sense. So that's kind of tough. And then it's also tough in with this situation with Achan, mm. that his one sin affects all of Israel. Yeah. This one guy takes some of the devoted things and the whole nation suffers. And it's weird. Again, it doesn't fit with how we view life. But the idea of kind of corporate sin yeah. is important to the biblical narrative that look like what 
we do impacts everyone. Mm, yeah. And so my sin impacts you, impacts our whole church. And, and there's a level of like personal responsibility, right? Like if we as a church have a mission to accomplish, it matters if I'm committed to God. Yeah. It matters if I'm being obedient. It matters if I'm, you know, making God a priority because my lack of faithfulness is going to impact those around me. Not in the same way as in Joshua, yeah. you know, we're not going to lose a war, Yeah. but you know, we are going to be less effective as God's people. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's not the way we think about how life works. We're an individualistic culture, but in a group oriented culture, it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. We are all responsible for one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out because I think even as you're talking, it is, it is, there are hard and in no way is it easy to, to simplify those or to kind of like get to a point, like you said, where you're just happy about everything. Yeah. But as you're talking, it's just that reminder, but the story starts with God communicating that he wears the big crown, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and, and there is that posture that when we read it, as hard as it may be, it's just that reminder of like, you know, we don't wear the big crown. Yeah. Yeah. And we might not understand how this fully works, but we're trusting that. The God who wears the big crown is is good. He's just, he's holy, yeah. and this all fits in the equation of him accomplishing his purposes, right? So, yeah, yeah, and that can be a tricky place to be. You know, it's like like just going on faith that these things that don't look good mm-hmm. can be good. Um, and so that's why I think it's helpful to have like the little morsels that we see of like, well, here's maybe what God was doing. Yeah, but you're right, like. It's a faith thing, and we have to deal with that in our life every day. Yeah. When we look at the world and we see bad things happening, we see, you know, people dying, we see sickness, we, we see all this, and we have to go on faith that God is king. Yeah. God knows what he's doing. Um, but also to recognize that there's a cost to sin. Yeah. Our, our world is not the way it is because of God. Our world is the way it is because mm-hmm. of us. And so yeah. that is kind of the, the tension that we feel in Joshua. Yeah. But it's our tension. That's humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. So going into Kings, I mean, well, we're in Kings now. Um, what are kind of the main takeaways from Joshua? Like, I mean, you hit all the big points already, the main themes. But kind of what do we, what do we bring into it? Yeah. So I, I think that just this idea of like this is where God is really preparing his people for mm. like, like phase two. And I said this in the message on Sunday is that there's a real tragedy in this pro- in this journey from Joshua to Judges and First and Second Samuel that's a little bit different than the ones before. It's obviously, I mean, the fall is number one, <laughs> yeah. but you know, there's this, like I talked about, there's this up and down, this cycle of disobedience, and Israel sinned before; they're going to sin again. But there's something about this moment that I think is especially tragic because it is very hopeful. Mm. It's like they're here. They've seen God work and and he's kept this huge promise. And if you read from Exodus until Joshua, getting to the promised land is such a big deal. You know, it's like that's all that they've been thinking about. That's all that they've really wanted for them being here is the ultimate proof of like God's goodness, God's faithfulness, God's God's kingness. Yeah. And so when they get here, you think to yourself, oh, they're finally going to get it. 
And through the lens of this question of like, will Israel fulfill its purpose? It's like, well, they're here. They have this home base. Now they can build their relationship with God. And now what can Israel, this this nation, this this place, what could they do for the world around mm-hmm. them? You know, what could they do for their neighbors? What could they do for um, these other pagans around them in, in sharing who God is? And so the great tragedy is that they don't. Right. Is that one, they're not faithful to God. And two, rather than right, this circle expanding outward. Right. So they're a kingdom and they're showing people who God is. The circle is pressing inward in that Mm -hmm. the nations around them are infiltrating and compromising how they see God. And so, you know, it. I think this is a book and this, along with Judges, begins to explore Another one of the mechanisms by which we reject God's kingship is that we start to accept other stories, hmm, other hmm. stories about how life works, other stories about what God should be like, other stories about what we should want. Yeah. And the importance of us being proactive in pushing forward our story. Now, whether that's overt evangelism or just living as people of faith yeah. in the culture around us as opposed to us being impacted by the stories around us. And so this has been, this would be the case for the rest of Israel's history, but this is kind of where it starts because they're in a physical location Mm -hmm. and you can actually see like the theological walls closing in on them as they begin to compromise. And so it, it is tragic, but it also begins to paint a picture for us of, um, of how, how sin happens is that it's one, we wear the big crown, but two, we start to worship other Mm, crowns too. And mm. we start to look at life differently. And, and that's where you get into a world where God doesn't even wear the crown anymore. God's just gone from your life. Yeah. And so, um, I think that's a, a really important factor. And, um, but it also, I think, on the positive side reminds us of what's possible and what, what happens when we submit to the authority and the power of God. Mm -hmm. You know, it is a powerful picture of God's commitment to his purpose. And, you know, anytime the people kind of submit to him and follow him, good things happen. Yeah. Right. When you're Mm -hmm. obedient, you get blessing and you win victory in battle and you, you know, you, you go where God wants you to go and I think that principle is still true. Mm-hmm. Um, different application for us, but it's still true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for pointing those out. And um, yeah, it's just it's so relevant, mm-hmm. right? It's so relevant that the story, this old story, right? This old ancient story of how it's so relevant to us today. You know. Yeah pretty much just nailed it and summarized it and we see it in Israel and it shouldn't be too hard for the average person to see how that would apply in our life today. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where that emphasis on kingdom and purpose illustrates that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Cause if you're just thinking about your personal relationship with God, what's well, completely different. Yeah. Well, Cause you know, we have Jesus. But if you think about just this larger picture of, well, God's people have always been called to this relationship 
for this purpose. Mm -hmm. And here's all the reasons why, even though they have that relationship, they don't fulfill that purpose. You're like, Oh, the story's the same. Yeah. And man, like praise God that we have Jesus. And Mm -hmm. so that, you know, we're not going to experience kind of the rejection that Israel experienced, but the fact that they did experience some level of that is, is, should be at least pretty jarring yeah, to us. Yeah. It should be a wake up call that like, wow, like I don't want to make that mistake, mm-hmm. you know? So what's so clear when you look back on the story of Joshua or just Israel's journey is you can see how they miss out when they fail to live out their purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. And we look at it. Oh, if you just do this, and I think that's the part where for us, right, sometimes it's hard to see. Like, what are we missing? Yeah, yeah. When we miss out on our purpose, right? Yeah. So, because relationally, relationally, we're good. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's faith there. And what are we missing? Yeah, yeah. You know, and the consequences, we see the consequences in Israel. And sometimes it's easy to not see the consequences. Or we become so accustomed, so used to of, trying to wear the big crown and not actually living the life that God wants yeah. that we've just come to think this is it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, maybe we're missing just, anything. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we really, and it's kind of an, it's a scary thing to think about, but kind of also exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe we're barely scratching the surface Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Know, of, of what it actually looks like to live this way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the exciting thing about this next chapter for us as a church in these next several months is that, we get to begin to discover and reveal, well, here's what we're missing. Mm-hmm. Here's what we should be doing. And and the beauty of it is that like, there's not, there's not just one answer to that question yeah. where you have to, you know, do this or do that, mm-hmm. but it's well, God calls each church uniquely according to who they are to this mission in, in their own unique way. And so I think to begin to, show people what that's going to look like for us is, is exciting. Yeah. You know, and I think that's something that again, like, you know, we've talked about this in the last several podcasts is so much of that responsibility for where people are at falls on us because we haven't shown that. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you think about kind of calling people to obedience and to following Jesus just because, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) because then maybe, maybe your life will get better, even though like, you feel like your life is already pretty good and you already, you've already gotten all this stuff by not following God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I get it. You know, I I a hundred percent get why someone would say like, great idea. I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't want to do that. I don't know how to do that. And so I think for us to begin to, in the same way that it's very clear in the old Testament, Mm -hmm. what they're called do. So here's what we would miss out on if we don't embrace this mission my my bet is that people are are ready to go. Yeah, and people yeah. are like, yeah, okay, well, let's do that. Mm-hmm. So, at least I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the, even the seasonal timing, right? The generation in the wilderness who grew up there, mm. they they don't, you know, they don't know what they're really missing out on. Maybe for a lot of them, like man is okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> like they don't yeah. know what steak is. They don't yeah. know. In God painting this picture now, right? Mm. Like, okay, here's it. Yeah, now it's time to go. Yeah, that's what you're missing. That's a great analogy, man. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and there's a lot of fear initially yeah, too, uh-huh. right? Like, yeah. And, and, and lean us into that, you know, mm-hmm. but kind of seeing the whole arc of the story, 
here's the potential, here's the dangers, the risks, uh, here's things to be aware of. You know, I feel like it's so timely to, to where we are. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure. Well, I want to ask you about uh, Judges and Ruth. Okay. I know you touched a little bit about it on Sunday. But before that, anything else on Joshua? Um, no, no, I think, I think we covered everything I wanted to cover. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, let's talk. So what happens kind of judges, Ruth, what yeah. are the kind of main events, main themes, yeah. really kind of building us and leading into to where we are now? Yeah. So I'll start with judges and then I'll go to Ruth. Sure. They're very different. Yeah. Um, basically, judges is this picture of like a people spiraling downward into sin. And it starts off okay, right? And so... Actually, no, it doesn't. <laughs> so <laughs> at, after Joshua, basically like the whole framework from Joshua to Judges is that people abandon God. People start mm. to sin. And so there's this template for the Judges cycle where it's like the people sin. God raises up a judge or a leader. A judge is like, that's important. A judge isn't like a judge sitting over a courtroom. <laughs> yeah. A judge is just another word for a, a leader. Mm. They were basically the the people who were in charge of Israel at that time. They weren't kings, though. Um, so God would raise up a judge. That judge typically was like a military leader, although not always, would deliver the people from basically some foreign threat. So people would sin. The Canaanites, the Philistines, somebody would defeat them because they weren't following God. Mm-hmm. Judge would be raised up judge would somehow rescue them the people would be like awesome we're gonna follow god again and then the cycle would restart they would Mm. go back and so judges happens over the course of a long period of time there's i don't remember exactly how many cycles of judges but it's a bunch you're 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 seeing the the a long term just kind of things falling apart and so the beginning of judges is like there's sin but the highlight is on just these pretty awesome judges Mm. these judges who um like othniel and ehud and and deborah and and gideon and these leaders who were flawed but ultimately kind of provided a picture of just there was still some faithful people not perfect Mm -hmm. and they're they're the ways they got there weren't always great but they were willing to kind of fulfill this purpose God had. And um, one of the cool themes in Judges is just the the power of the Spirit, mm. is that basically a judge was defined by Spirit-filled leadership. And so it's just kind of a reminder of, just as we think about this mission that we have, this isn't a New Testament idea that God empowers yeah. us to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, and he does that by his Spirit. Um and so, yeah, those those early leaders are spirit-filled. They do awesome things. But then kind of as the story progresses, the types of sins that are being committed get worse and the types of leaders are more and more flawed. And a great example of this is Samson, mm-hmm. who I don't know, like when I think back at like Sunday school, like Samson was this awesome yeah, guy. Yeah. And poor guy got his hair cut by Delilah. Otherwise, he was super strong and awesome. But Samson is a big dummy. Like he's a big <laughs> dumb bully who just messes up everything throughout his life and really only has one good moment where he kind of repents and says, God, just 
help me to kill all these Philistines. Yeah. And really, it's just one redemptive moment where he, it's not really clear. Does he want to take revenge or is he really committed to God's purpose? But he's terrible. And then there's the worst story in Judges, which I think about all the time. Every time I talk about Judges is there's this guy who basically swears that if God delivers him or God does something, mm. he'll sacrifice the first thing that comes out of his door. Mm. And it ends up being his daughter. And so he does. And yeah. It's like, I don't want to read this book anymore. Yeah. Right. But yeah. it's just, you know, one of the the themes of scripture and just that we see in life is that sin is generational. Mm. Right. So again, there's this, these contrasting themes in the old Testament of God's goodness and faithfulness and just how bad sin is for us. And we saw that with Achan, that sin has an impact on the larger community, right? When you sin, it affects everyone around you and it affects the mission that you're on. What Judges shows us is that sin affects you, your family, your kids, your kids, kids, your kids, 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 and the people of God from now until forever. Mm -hmm. Now, look, that's not to say that if you, you know, you go over the speed limit that everyone's going to suffer. But just kind of this, I think we see this anecdotally, right? The way we choose to live, the things we choose to value, Mm -hmm. who we put on the throne and how we live. Our kids pick that up immediately. For sure. Our kids know what's important to us. And so if we, it kind of raises the stakes, right? Of if I want my kids to follow God, to love Jesus, to to place him on the throne and, and to live for him. Nothing more important than how I live. Yeah. It's not what school they go to. It's not what job they get. It's not the friends they have. It's not the things they watch. It's not the words I allow them to say. It's not the movies I allow them to go to. It's how I live. Yeah. And the idea of just the weight of sin for me individually and how that impacts everyone else. Like judges is hmm. a wake up call. Oh, yeah. Because sin gets real bad real fast. And so... There's really no happy ending to Judges, but it's an example of what happens when people out, live outside of the kingship of God. The, basically, the, the phrase that gets repeated over and over and over again in Judges may as well be the tagline for sin. It says, in those days, there was no king. The people did as they saw fit. Mm-hmm. And so the yeah. idea of there's no king, it's, wow. it's kind of talking about David, but it's, what it's really referring to is there's no king. They, yeah. don't, they don't follow the real king. And everyone does as they saw fit, which is everyone lived as their own king. Yeah. And so if you think about what does it look like when we wear the big crown and God wears the small crown, read Judges. That's hmm. that's where it goes. Yeah. And if you don't like that picture, <laughs> you know, yeah. again, it's a huge wake up call. Yeah. But it just it's showing us life outside of God's design for us to the extreme. And it's also revealing how even though God's design is not for a human king. He's still showing us his grace in our sinfulness. Like even Saul, who's not a great king, but but especially David, there's going to be some redemption that happens through that. Yeah. Because it, it's, it doesn't get any worse than, than Judges. And so, yeah, Judges is, is really a great picture of just the theology and the weight of sin. Ruth is kind of the other side of the coin mm. in that Ruth takes place during the Judges period. So when you read Ruth, you've already read Judges, you know everybody's being awful, but it's this beautiful story of just faithfulness, 
And really what it comes down to is the concept of chesed. I would do the guttural like Nick, chesed, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. That's how you would say it if you wanted to be correct, but I'll just say chesed, which is basically the idea of loving kindness. Mm. And, and what we see in this story is um, basically this woman, Naomi, her, she loses her husband or she has these two sons. They marry, then the sons die. And so she's like, she has no hope and nowhere to go. But the one daughter-in-law stays with her. They go together. They're they're from Moab, by the way. This this daughter is from Moab. And they go together um, to just try to figure out how to live. And they meet this guy, Boaz, who's just really nice to them. And he's a wealthy, um, kind of aristocratic guy. And he ends up marrying Ruth. And that line is what leads to David. Mm. And there's a lot happening here, but the idea is of God's loving kindness to Mm. the people who are faithful, the loving kindness of Ruth to this mother-in-law and just saying like, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to just be loyal to you. There's nothing in it for me. In a way, I'm basically like signing up to be poor, be vagrant, probably to die. Yeah, I'm going to be very vulnerable but I'm sticking with you out of just loyalty, out of loving kindness. And then seeing how the loving kindness of this guy, Boaz, and just treating these women, these vulnerable women very mm. well. Yeah. And just kind of what happens that even in the midst of the most sinful period in Israel's history, that w- so much good can come out of just being loyal and loving to each other. And that God is still working through people yeah. to accomplish his purpose. Because out of that mm-hmm. comes David. Yeah, And so it's, when you read Ruth after Judges, you're going to be like, dang, Ruth is like the best book in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's so beautiful, yeah. right? Because you go from people treating each other as bad as they can and you're waiting in Ruth for like, okay, who's the bad guy? Hmm. Who's going to mess things up? And it's like, oh no, there's no bad guy. Yeah, It's like everyone just does what they're supposed to do and look what happens. And so that's really cool. It's a great book. Both Ruth and Joshua highlight the role of foreign women Mm. in the purposes of God, both um, Ruth in Ruth and Rahab in Joshua. And so one, it's elevating women, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, a cool part of the story. But it's also revealing like God isn't God's not playing favorites here. Mm -hmm. He's chosen Israel because he thinks they're the ones to do this job. But again, he's he's trying to bring everyone Mm -hmm. into the fold. Yeah. And for all the Canaanites, the Moabites, the Philistines who just reject God and get killed, the ones who ultimately submit to him as king, and there are foreigners throughout the Old Testament who say, okay, God, I I see you. I submit to you. You're king. God's like, welcome. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're, you're part of this legacy now. Mm-hmm. It's not an ethnic thing even in the Old mm-hmm. Testament. It's a kingship thing. Yeah. And so that's a theme that I think Ruth really, I think, pulls out beautifully. So great book i love ruth i didn't mm. even didn't even give it a second thought before i taught on it last or a couple of years ago mm-hmm. but i just i was so moved by it yeah man i the way you just summarized the entire old testament last two podcasts <laughs> <laughs> i'm amazed i mean i will never say this but my thought is like you don't even gotta read it just <laughs> listen to what brandon talked about last no no read, it, read it. i know read it read it that's what i'm saying i would never say it but i'm just thinking because you literally walked through it mm-hmm. and painted this picture 
of God's intent, his desire, you know, our fallenness in his work in restoring. Yeah. You know, so we know how the story ends, Revelation, and just seeing how every piece fits together. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. Um, I mean, you just summarized everything, so maybe this is asking the same question, but, you know, this brings us to, to First, Second Samuel. Yeah. Kings, like, having kind of journeyed through this arc, like, what's the reader feeling right now? Mm. Like, what's the sense coming into Kings? So, for the for the Jewish reader, um, because so they're not going to view things necessarily through the lens that this is a bad period in their history, because for them King David is really it, it is the high point, mm-hmm. and so it's interesting. In a lot of ways, this is where a lot of the theology of of Judaism and, and Christianity there's a lot of there's a lot of discrepancy starting here, mm. and so for the reader of, of like in Jesus's time, people who yeah. had read this, they're excited. Huh. They're like, "Here we go! God is gonna, f- God is gonna fix things for a time, um, because David's gonna, David's gonna do for us what, what God wanted to do for us." And so there's that question of uh, how are you viewing success for the nation of Israel? Mm. Is it national power, um, military might? Um, you know, material success. Cause if you are, which th- that's more typical of, of, you know, Jewish readers even today, that's what they're trying to get back to. Mm-hmm. Right. So the beginning of the story for them by Jesus's time, it's less the garden and more this kingdom. Oh, and you see why people receive the message of Jesus so differently is that when they get to this point, they're like, here's where everything turns around. Mm-hmm. Here's where God fixes things and does everything he said he would do. He yeah. blesses us. Now, for us who's reading this, we, I think it, it's, we can go in hopefully because it is a good period for them externally. But knowing what's ahead, there's a little bit of anxiety mm. because you know this isn't going to work either, yeah. you know? And so I think for us, as we go into it, it's, it is hard to know exactly how to approach for Samuel because when you look at it holistically, it's definitely pointing us to Jesus, mm-hmm. but we're not going to get to that till the end of the series. Yeah. And so not everything in this story is pointing us to Jesus. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is just talking about who David was, yeah. what he was like, and what happened. And so I think for us as, as we read it, you know, one, I would say just appreciate the story. Like we'll bring things together eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there are things that are just worth hearing about because they're what happened. Um, but there's also, again, that, that element that I talked about on Sunday of just pay attention to the way these men lead. Yeah. Pay attention to, you know, again, I think we're less prone to use a king as an example for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So well, I'm not a king. I don't rule a country. But again, think of yourself as wearing the little crown. You have some authority in your life. You've been given some realm of influence. And so there is a part of this where it's like, learn learn how to lead under God well or not well from these books. So yeah. um, there's, a, there's a lot to take from them and they are really great stories. Yeah. 
Hey, I'm, I'm super excited with where we're at. Um, and just having done these two podcasts, I'm even more excited. You did an awesome job mm. filling us in. And I feel like if you've listened to both, you have a, a pretty good understanding of what's taken place so far and where God has brought his people and, and just the story of God and his people yeah, and how it connects to us. So, yeah, is there anything else that you want to... Um, about anything? No, it w- it was fun, and I think I think again, I think I've said this a million times in sermons and elsewhere, but it's such a great story, man. Like it's you read it and you see how things come together. The, the beauty of what God has done and is doing and will do, um, you know, it's 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 really it's moving, you know, and it's what gets I it's what gets me excited. And it is like, it's a privilege to, for us to be a part of that legacy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if nothing else, um, even if you never get a chance to read all this yourself, I hope you do. It, it, it is really worth it. Um, but just recognize that God, God doesn't make mistakes. He's not just figuring things out as he goes. He's just an amazing, sovereign king and worthy of worship. So, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Perfectly said. Couldn't have said anything better than that. So with that being said, hey, thanks to everyone for listening, for hanging in there with us, and we hope you enjoyed the podcast.